Well, good morning, and uh, it's very good to be back in sunny, sunny Sydney. And it is sunny out there, it's not even cold. Um, I only had my grade one beanie on this morning. I have, I've got five grades of head covering, Brother Christie. Uh, might be, this might be handy for you. And, uh, oh, where's, where's Caitlin gone to? Hello, Caitlin. Um, where is she? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, there you are. Hello, Caitlin. Yeah. I had, uh, I'll get back to the head coverings. I was speaking to uh, Brother Gilmer before. Do you know, do you know, we are going to be related. We're going to be related, brother. That is a great privilege for me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, see what you've done, Caitlin. We're going to, I'm going to be related to Haragis. But anyway, going back to head coverings. I've got my little super thin merino one they had this morning, and then they just go up in grade because see, there's not much on this head, and not much in this head most probably, but when it's really cold, I've got the Russian shupka, and it's about that thick, but that's only for like whenever I visit Siberia, and I'm, I've got no plans to get to Siberia. But I just had the grey one beanie this morning, so it wasn't even that cold, but that was really cool. Um, and I am so much looking forward to Kids Club, uh, been looking forward, always looking forward to Kids Club, and uh, as Pastor gave a report of the numbers that have been um, already registered, that is so awesome. Uh, what a what a privilege to get to minister to so many people. Uh, I can't think of anything. I mean, you go and climb Mount Everest or trip around the world. Man, this is where I want to be this week, uh, serving the Lord with all these new people coming in and just seeing what God can do. What a blessing. So please be praying. Um, be praying. If, if you can't be part of the, the kids club, then please be, be in prayer, fervent prayer, that the Lord will grab hold of uh, people's hearts and will see people saved and, and see families impacted with the gospel. Robin is not with me um, for this part of the week. She's flying down, God willing, on Thursday. So... Um, She'll be here at Kids Club on Friday morning, God willing, uh, to have a look. And then uh, around midday on Friday, we're heading to Adelaide. We need to be in Adelaide by this coming Saturday afternoon. So I've got a lot of driving to do and uh, preaching next Sunday. And then next week, we've got teen camp all week in the Adelaide Hills. So I've got a pretty busy sort of schedule coming up for the next few weeks. But it's, um, it's what we do. And um, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Uh, I love what I do and I'm so thankful and I'm thankful for this church. Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3 and I want to speak to you and don't worry, don't worry. I know a lot of people are involved in Kids Club this week and um, Pastor Matthews, I can't see the clock. It's most probably covered up. I'm going to take my watch off there. Okay. So um, don't worry, I'm not going to wear you out with a long sermon, okay? I know you've heard that one before, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> but I will try my best to be brief this morning uh, and uh, not wear you out um, uh, with a too long a sermon. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the preachers. That's what the preachers say. Whether it will happen, I don't know. Hebrews chapter 3. And I want to preach uh, to you this morning a new message on unbelieving believers. Unbelieving believers. Verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for 
the wonderful songs that we were able to sing this morning and we give you our worship and our praise and, and uh, Lord, we just love you this morning. And dear Lord, what, what a, an honour, what a privilege to be with the Lord's people serving the Lord. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful. Please, I pray that you'll be with us now as we look at your word. I pray that you'll speak to every heart. We pray, I pray, Lord, for the filling, the empowering of the Spirit of God upon the preacher this morning. And may the word of God come alive to us. Touch our hearts in a practical way, we pray, and we'll be, be careful to give you the praise and the thanks for answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe the most important word in the entire New Testament is the word faith or believe. Uh, <clears throat> just a casual look at the New Testament will most probably bring you to that conclusion. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 5.1 said, therefore, says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through, what's that word? Faith or believing. Uh, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. You know, Jesus when he walked on planet Earth, his greatest commendations, as opposed to his condemnations, his greatest commendations were to Gentiles of faith. Matthew 8 verse 10, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. That was speaking about the Roman centurion. In Matthew 15, uh, Jesus answered and said unto her, This is the Gentile woman, O woman, Great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus commanded those Gentiles of faith. Three quick points this morning before we close. <clears throat> the first point is this, and we read this in Hebrews chapter 3, in the last part of the chapter. We read about the tragedy of unbelief. The tragedy of unbelief. Keep a bookmark there. Come over to Numbers chapter 14, please. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. And verse 11. Here's the scene. And this, and this, is, the, um, this is the part of the Old Testament that is referred to in Hebrews chapter 3. Even though a lot, some of the chapter is um, uh, referring to the Psalms. But this is basically the account in uh, the Old Testament that the writer of Hebrews is referring to. Now, let's set the scene. You know the story. The, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, w w the nation was brought out of Egypt miraculously under the hand of God via the leadership of Moses. And they got to this place called Kadesh Barnea and uh, to the entrance, the doorway to the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised to the father of the nation, Abraham. And they came to this, uh, uh, to literally to, to this place where they were overlooking the promised land, uh, a land that flows, flowed with milk and honey. And so Moses 
uh, they got 12 spies. You know the story, 12 men went to spy out Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good and so on. And they sent the spies out and, uh, and they came back and they gave their report. Uh, and of course, the two good spies, Caleb, Joshua, they said, oh, this place is fantastic. It's the land of milk and honey. I mean, that means there's cows there. There's bees, obviously with the honey, and there's cows with the milk. And of course, with cows, that also means steak. So anyway, there was all this stuff there, and of course all the, uh, and they brought back the, you know, the grapes, and it took two, two blokes to carry one, one group of, um, one uh, bunch of grapes, and obviously they didn't bring watermelons, but they brought these grapes back, and, uh, and, and, and Caleb and Joshua said, come on, let's go, let's go, it's ready to go, we don't have to even plant anything, let's just march straight in, but of course the ten said, yeah, it is good, it's really good, but there's giants there, big galoots. That's, I sort of throw that word in. Big galoots there, about this big, you know. And, uh, and, we're, and we're, they're, gonna, we're gonna, they're just going to chew us up and spit us out. And of course, the nation of Israel believed the ten rather than the two. And here was the opportunity for them to go into the land and they missed out. Numbers 14. Did I say Numbers 14? Numbers 14, verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Uh, They just would not believe. God said to Moses, listen, listen, here's the land. um, Moses, to you, you're the first one. There was the burning bush. And then there was the, you know, he, he threw his rod on the ground, it became a snake and he picked it up and so on. And then there were all the plagues in Egypt. And then there was the final plague. And then they brought, brought them out of haste out of Egypt. God brought the people out with Moses. And, and they got to the Red Sea. And God parted the Red Sea. And they went through on dry ground. And they got through on the other side. And then, the, the, you, know, you know the story? Pharaoh's army came and the sea came back. And all his army was drowned. Then they got to Elam and God provided the water and and so on. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And God said, look at all the stuff I've done for Israel, but they still will not believe. So so God's saying, what am I supposed to do? I've done all this stuff and they still will not believe. So after the Red Sea and after Egypt, what was a few giants in the land of Canaan? But they would not believe. They provoked God with disobedience. And so what did God say? All right, the opportunity is gone. The door is now closed. The land, the people of Israel missed out because of unbelief. And that was the tragedy. What did they miss out on? Well, there's a stack of things they missed out on. First thing they missed out on was purpose. God's purpose for their lives. God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey and it's for you. That was God's purpose for them and there was the opportunity, but they missed out on that. And then for the next 40 years, everyone 20 years old and under, the Bible says their carcasses were going to fall in the wilderness. Now, can you, uh, I, I, I should do the numbers again. If there were 2 million, the Bible commentators say, many of them say, there are about 2 million Israelis at least. That's a lot of people. And uh, those that were 20 years old and over 
we're going to die in the wilderness. Guess what? They had to bury all those people. You know how hard it is to build, to, to dig um, graves in rock? I, I've, I've done the numbers and I can't, I'm, I'm trying, maybe it was 700 a week or something, or 700 a day. Someone do the figures sometimes and let me know. Do you know how many graves they had to dig every single day, on average, over 40 years, to bury those people in the wilderness? Wow. But that's what God said. That's what's going to happen to you. They missed God's purpose for their lives. Then secondly, they missed, and by the way, you know what? If we, if we do not live by faith, and I've seen this happen literally dozens of times, if we do not live by faith as God's children, we can miss God's purpose for our lives. And you say, isn't God the God of the second chance? Yes, he is. And the third chance and the fourth chance. But it's always better to have God's number one choice for your life. And yet so many Christians miss God's choice for their life. They miss God's path for their life. Why? Because of unbelief. Unbelief. And it's, a, it's just a waste to miss that because of unbelief. What was the second thing? They missed victories. Now, were there giants? Yes, there were giants. Were they big and ugly? Yes, they were big and ugly. But the fact of the matter is, in fact, we, we read this, we don't have time to go uh, later on past this chapter. Even though they missed at that point the, the, the land of Canaan, the promised land, they still had to face giants outside the land. Whether they were inside the land or outside the land, didn't matter, they were still going to face giants. But what they missed was victories. God said, listen, I'm going to give you the victory. And you know, because of unbelief, because of unbelief, there's nothing more miserable than a defeated Christian. Do we face our giants in life? Yes, we do. We all face our giants. We all have giants to face, whatever they might be in your life and in my life. But the Bible says, thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet so many Christians live a defeated Christian life. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to live a victorious Christian life. What's the third thing they missed? What was the third part of that tragedy? They missed the fruit. They missed the fruit. You imagine missing, missing out on the, well, I don't know if they had pineapples. <laughs> Maybe they did. I don't know if they had bananas. But you imagine missing out on the grapes and the pomegranates and the figs and the apples and the oranges. You imagine uh, the quinces. Imagine missing out on all that stuff. Wow, they missed out on the fruit. So for the next 40 years, guess what they ate? Manna. Manna. Now, manna, it would have been good stuff, whatever it was. What they say, manna, what is it? It looks like a coriander seed. It tastes a bit like a honey wafer. What does that taste like? I don't know. And I'm sure that because it was sent from God, it was perfectly nutritious. But I also can guarantee you that after 40 years of eating manna, you get a bit sick of it. They didn't have to have that. They could have had all the land of Canaan, but they missed out on the fruit. Um, <clears throat> you know, Christians, some Christians, because of unbelief, they miss out on being fruitful. You know how God is glorified? John 15, verse 8. Wherein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit? 
That is when God is glorified, when we, as his children, are fruitful Christians. And that verse goes on to say, so shall you be my disciples. You know, when we bear fruit, we are bringing glory to God. And yet so many Christians are fruitless Christians because of unbelief. And then what was the last thing they missed out on? They missed out on a thing called rest. Rest. God says, I'm going to give the nation rest. You've had 430 years in Egypt and now I brought you out of Egypt. Finally, you can go and have rest. And by the way, rest is not necessarily doing nothing. Rest is care and providence and kindness and getting looked after by God. And yet some Christians, many Christians, do not have the rest that they're supposed to have in Christ because of unbelief. Come back to uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. We read these verses before, verse 18. And to whom, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. Verse 19. The author here wraps it up. He says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So that was the tragedy. The tragedy of all those things they missed. And it's the tragedy that many Christians um, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> want to suffer even today. And that leads me to the second point, which is the malady. The malady, because that tragedy can become the malady for us. That's why the author says in verse number 12, Take heed, notice who he's speaking to here, Brethren, lest there be in any heart, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now someone says, well there you go, that shows that you can lose your salvation. Uh, uh, uh. That's not what it's saying, you can't lose your salvation. Once you become a child of God, it always strikes me as funny how... People who say you can lose your salvation, so you can lose your salvation one day, you get it back the next day, you lose it the next day, you get it back the next that's not, that's not a way to live. That's not assurance. No, the word there, look at this word here, verse number 12, in departing from the living God. The word departing there means to be estranged or to be withdrawn or to be still related but distant. You say, can Christians be uh, withdrawn from God? Yep, they can. They can. And this malady can affect every one of us. I know a lot of Christians who are... Now, someone says, well, are all these people who are prodigals, who withdraw from God, who are distant from God, are they all saved? Well, I don't know. I have to leave that up to God. I'm sure some of them are not saved. They've made professions of faith, but they never possessed Christ. They've just professed him. But with many, they are prodigals. Because of unbelief, because sin gets in, they have distanced themselves from God. Do they still belong to God? Yeah, if they're a child of God, you're a child of God. When we are adopted into the family of God by faith in Christ, we become part of God's family. God becomes our heavenly father. But we can get to the point that we lose not our relationship, but our fellowship with God. Do you remember back to when you were first saved? You remember those days? 
For me, it's a long time ago. It was 1969. Uh, and I was just a seven-year-old kid. wasn't quite eight. And uh, it's a bit fuzzy. I, all I remember for that time is, yes, I remember I believed on the Lord. I knew I was a sinner. And I believed that Jesus died for me. And I said, Jesus, please be my saviour. And I didn't have alarm bell. Oh, you know, the lightning didn't flash and the thunder roll. That wasn't me. That wasn't my experience. And everyone's different. But do you remember back from when you were saved? For some people, it was, there was such a dramatic change. And there's always a change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that there's always a change. But when you knew that Christ came into your life. You didn't, maybe not un, didn't understand it all. And when, obviously we don't understand it all. But we simply believe that the shed blood of Jesus was enough for my salvation. And having Christ in your life, being a new believer, that joy, that uh, zeal, that fervor. You remember those days? Remember those days? Thinking, wow, this is such a wonderful thing to be a Christian. And yet, so many, so many through unbelief have been estranged or withdrawn from God and they no longer enjoy the fellowship that they used to enjoy. Going through the motions maybe, used to be on fire but you've left your first love maybe. Someone said if God seems far away, guess who's moved? It's not God. We move away from him. You know, if you're not where you used to be, you cannot have the joy of the Lord. Very quickly, come over to Psalm 137. Keep a bookmark there. I'm nearly finished this morning. Psalm 137. Psalm 137. Now you're saying, what's this got to do with the sermon? Well, just listen. Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Here's the picture, children of Israel in captivity in Babylon sitting down, their captors mocking them, saying, come on, sing one of the songs of Zion. Sing one of the songs you used to sing in Jerusalem. And of course, here's the famous verse, verse number four. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The answer to that question is this, you can't. You can't. We can't sing the Lord's song here. Our hearts are empty. We're longing for Jerusalem. And here we are in captivity. We can't sing the Lord's song. And so with Christians who are estranged from the Lord, they've, as it was, departed from God, they're no longer having sweet fellowship with the Lord. They can't sing the Lord's song. We all should be able to sing the Lord's song. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every passing moment I love him more and more. Can you sing it? Can you sing it? And if you sing it, do you mean it? Do you mean it? 
It's so easy to get away from God. Yes, I'm saved. I belong to the Lord. But my heart's not where it used to be. And it's so easy for every single one of us to be afflicted with this malady. The malady of unbelief. Well, lastly this morning, what's the remedy? What's the remedy? Well, there's two parts to the remedy. First one, there's a cure. There's a cure. You know, the, uh, don't turn there to the, the, picture, the story of the prodigal son. You know the story. The prodigal got away from his father, wasted his life in riotous living, which means free from restraint, ended up in the pig pen, which was the very worst place for a Jew to be, feeding pigs. In fact, this fellow was, this son, this younger son, he was in such a bad way, he would have loved to have eaten the pig slop. But he wasn't even allowed to eat the pig slop. I don't know what they paid him. No idea. But that's how bad he was. But you know what he did? He said, what on earth am I doing here? What on earth am I doing here? Filthy, disgusting. You, um, you ever, ever driven past a pig truck on the highway? <laughs> you can smell them half a mile away. Hey, Terrible. You imagine living among the pigs. And you are so hungry. That pain is gnawing so much. You're thinking, I, I would have loved to have eaten the pig slops. But I couldn't do it. And he thought, even the lowliest of my father's servants have something to eat and somewhere to live. He got to the end of himself. The Bible says when he came to himself, he said, I'm going to go back. You know what that is? That's a beautiful picture of repentance. Repentance is when you say, I am sick of the condition I'm in. But you don't just stop there. You say, I'm going back. I'm going back to where I once used to live. I'm going to go back and I'm going to confess my sins to my father. I'm going to go back because I'm sick of my life as it is. And I want to go back to where I was. That's repentance. And you know the rest of the story. The cure for the malady of unbelief is repentance. It's the way back. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. So if you are a Christian this morning and you know you're saved this morning, but you know your heart is not where it used to be and you know your life is not what it should be, hey, listen. The cure is just go back. Repent. The Christian life, you know, the Christian life <clears throat> is a lot of repenting involved. I'll be the first one to admit that. There's a lot of repenting involved. You say, well, I've repented. Yeah, but we're going to keep repenting. Because it's so easy to get a, a, a wayward heart and to not be in the fellowship that we used to be. To not enjoy the sweet presence of Christ that we used to enjoy if, if you are there, my friend, right now, you know what you need to do? Go back. Go back. So I'm going back to my father. I'm going back to my father. That's the cure. It's really simple. It's really simple. What about not just the cure, but even better than that is prevention. 
prevention. That's where, back in Hebrews chapter, chapter 3, here's the prevention. And it tells us this in verse number 13. It says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You say, can Christians be hardened? Sure can. Bible says it. Bible says it. Bible also says this is how we prevent this departing from God, exhorting one another, exhorting one another. Um, you know, you know what the local church is. The local church is many things. We live in the church age. You know, the local church is we need each other. Um, Hebrews ten. We won't turn there for time's sake. You know, we are we are to meet with each other more and more as we see the day approaching. What day? The coming of the Lord. So we don't need less church. We need more church. We need each other. How many times do you meet a Christian? They say, well, well, yeah, I know I'm saved, but I don't need the church. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you can find a half decent church, you need to be at that church. God's given you a wonderful church here to be a part of. So be all in. Encouraging one another. And not, not just on Sunday, but during the week. You know, someone invented the phone. Well, someone invented the telephone and the iPhone and all the rest of it and the computer. And, and, yeah, use it for God. Use it for the Lord. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day, day approaching. We need each other. We need, I need encouragement. You need encouragement. Because it's so easy to fall, to get a hard heart, <clears throat> and to lose the sweet fellowship with God. So that's the prevention. You say, yeah, <clears throat> I haven't got time. You've got time for everything else. You know, um, I was speaking to a pastor the other day in Adelaide and he's, he's asked me a number of times to go and preach for him. Uh, we're going there, God willing, this week um, and, I, and I just haven't got, I haven't got a spare Sunday to uh, preach for this. And he's, a, he's a wonderful pastor and I haven't got a Sunday to, to spare. Um, the schedule's too full. I said, brother, look, what about a couple of weeks down there? What about a Wednesday night? He said, oh, brother, he said, um, we've given up on Wednesday nights because very few people turn up. And this is a church that gets close to 200 of a Sunday. So people just don't turn up. And this is a good man, man who loves God. I thought, what? Um, you know, maybe, maybe we should have prayer meeting every night of the week, you know, Monday through Friday. Uh, how does that sound? Yeah, just come. Uh, I don't know whether it'll work. We need the Lord. We need each other. Yeah, but what about um, uh, Australia's Got Talent? You know, what about it? What about, um, uh, what's, that, uh, what's that soap opera? I've never watched a soap opera in my life. But anyway, what about the, you don't need the soap opera. What about, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all, it's all going. Okay, it's all going to be burned up one day. It's not, there's new, you know, the Lord's coming back. Just need to get serious. Yeah, but what about my, what about it? We need each other. Exhorting one another. That's how we pre prevent this moving away from fellowship with the Lord. 
It's all I've got to say, folks. You know, we, uh, we live in really dark times. And as I said to the Sunday school class this morning, I said that the darker the night, the brighter the light. And our churches, we, we, we can see what's going on in the world. We understand that. We can see what's going on. But we are not fearful of that. We are not fearful. We know that these things have to happen because Jesus is coming back. But until he comes back and until we get to see him face to face, God has given us the mechanism to be able to walk close to him. And that's to exhort one another. So two applications. Prevention, make sure you're exhorting one another. Yes, we get, you know, the preacher gets up here and exhorts us, but we need to exhort one another. That's, our, that's every Christian's job. And if there is one or two or three or four or nine or ten here this morning, or maybe someone looking online, I don't know, if you are not where you used to be and you're not where you should be, go back. Go back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, Lord, we are so often prone to unbelief. We are so often prone to have a hard heart and to wander from you. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our wandering. Forgive us for our frailty. You are the most wonderful, caring, loving God. And Lord, for those who have wandered away, you're just waiting for them to repent to come back. Dear Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning and they are not walking with you like they used to, they're living a life of unbelief, they've got a hard heart, I, Lord, I pray that through the ministry of your Holy Spirit that you will just melt their hearts this morning and if they need to do a bit of repenting this morning that they'll do that. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning and this sermon hasn't meant a real lot to them, but they realise that they are not a child of God, I pray that they would see their desperate need to come to Jesus and be saved. Bless the hymn that is to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, will you come and lead us in?